Hey y'all, this is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 20. I kind of feel celebratory about that. Every time I ever thought about quitting, I thought, well, if I get to 20, I've got to keep it up. So, I reckon y'all are stuck with me. I was waiting until there was a break in this rain. Uh, That's been going on for days, and it's going so hard and heavy, I have to go ahead and do this. I think we've discussed that my podcast room is right here underneath a tin roof and right by a window. And with it pattering down, you're going to hear that in the background. There's nothing I can do. So here we are. Y'all are listening, if you're listening really carefully, to Alabama Rain. And I have an announcement. A very wonderful thing happened. The Southern Fried Baby Son got engaged to be married on New Year's Eve at midnight. And I was lucky enough to be in the room when it happened. And I'm also lucky enough, and he's lucky enough, to have the sweetest, most darling little witch baby in the entire free world joining our family. And a factor, it was about time, y'all. I was outnumbered. Get a little female up in this family and let's see what we can't do. So there's that. I will be planning a wedding. They have not decided yet whether or not it will be spring or fall. And if it's spring, y'all, I'm going to be overwhelmed. You got to let them do what they want to do. Well, I reckon this is also the very first podcast of 2020. I don't really hanker very much to secular kinds of time frames, but the rest of the world does. So here we are. I have more little baby chicks out there right now than I could shake a stick at. They started on Christmas Day, and they have not stopped because my Harriet was stealing all those eggs. I didn't realize that she could do that. It's my first time letting babies be born on the property. And it was kindly an accident, honestly, because I was gone for too long. But now every day I go out there, there's another little baby peeking out underneath the butt of somebody. And hopefully they'll all make it. I've talked to a lot of my chicken folks, different chicken farmers around here. And I guess I'm a little bit more tender than most, other than my dear friend Crystal, who lives up in Maine. I think she has about the same kinds of tear-jerking problems that I have when it comes to chickens. I was told to go out there and lift the fluffy little ass of that last brooding hen and candle those eggs to see what was coming and what was maybe a dud and that sort of thing, and I know I need to do it. But the suggestion was that I take all the ones that are only halfway developed and go on and throw them out. Y'all, I know. As one of my dear friends, a gay cowboy, and a good friend of mine, and a pagan who raises chickens, told me, Honey, you're into animal husbandry now. You've got to do this. But alas... It just about breaks my heart to throw one of those into the garbage, knowing that it's still alive and it'll die a slow death. It just is killing me. 
And so I don't know what I'm going to do. I've about decided to let nature just be who she wants to be and whoever's born be born. And I give it an extra day every time I wake up and say, well, let's see who else will come out of there. Of course, my husband's going to have to build me a new chicken coop because we are out of room. I don't know if I've told y'all. I reckon I probably have. But what I have out there are all bantams. And half of them are bantam silkies, and half of them are bantam frizzle cochins. Y'all hear that rain? Y'all, I'm going to break in right here because when I was editing this and getting it ready for upload, I heard myself, and that's what I have out front are little bantams. But that rooster you hear all the time right here is a French moran, a copper French moran. And they're in the backyard. And in the backyard, I have barred rocks, and I have French Morans, and then I've got the retirement coop where all my old girls are. They're eight to nine years old, and they're all different varieties. Just didn't want to tell a fib by accident. Now we're going to go back to the rain. And so they're really small, but I like my chickens to have a lot of room. I'm sorry that I'm not listening to anybody about Oh, three or four feet is enough for six chickens. See, I don't think it is. I think that's about equivalent to me living in my bathroom, and I don't think that's fair. So, I don't know if I need to stop. If y'all can hear me over this rain, I may leave this in or come back and delete it and wait for the rain to be gone, but I'm running out of time. For all y'all sweethearts and sugars out there who've written asking if I feel better, I do. Uh, I can hear myself a little bit better when I talk. Regretfully, that tinnitus has not yet left the building. And it's one of my great fears that it will stay. I know it stays with a lot of folks, but my hearing has always been my superpower. I mean, I can hear like a wolf. I know exactly what direction it came in, and I can pinpoint it just by cocking my head right and take people to whatever sound that is. So the tinnitus, well, it's a bit of a curse. It's a bit of an Achilles heel right now, and I'm hoping it goes away. There's no telling about these things. I was waiting to feel a little bit better to do a spell on it. You know, a little healing on it, for those of you who are afraid of the word spell. Because I don't really do very well when I'm sick. You know, I have a very finite amount of energy. I don't know about y'all. I reckon I'll do it tomorrow when I wake up. And if you're still here after hearing me wax on about chickens and my weird-ass ear problem, I'd like to talk to y'all today about inconvenient truths. Just inconvenience in general. Some of y'all might not like what I have to say, but remember, I'm not trying to get you to feel that way. I'm just sharing thoughts from the porch over here. And what's driven me around to this is I've told y'all a thousand times about Harriet my little black chicken that could make somebody believe that chickens have souls. And if you read Loving Harriet, which is a blog post I did earlier in the year when she was born and was a little bit in her salt, and that's over at southernfriedwitch.com, then you'll know what she means to me. And the reason I ended up in this pickle with all these babies is because of Harriet. Harriet went broody on me. 
and we were gone for a week, and y'all, I just could not take her off those eggs, and there were only three, so I thought, well, that'll be all right. It looks like we're going to have about 18 new chickens because somebody can't keep her claws off of other people's eggs. But either way, let me tell you how I got around to learning a very inconvenient truth from Miss Harriet. Harriet was born around Ostara, and so were all of her brothers and sisters. I'd gone and gotten, I don't know, I think 10. I'd have to go back and look. It may have been 8. Y'all don't hold that to me if the numbers don't line up. I had them in a really nice long kind of rabbit cage with a solid bottom in the back laundry room because I just believed that my husband was going to build me a chicken coop fairly quickly, not understanding that he wanted to build one that was completely made of metal that no coyote could get in, that nothing could dig under, and that would never rot. And I reckon he did this because he was just bone tired of having to build me chicken coops and then repair them. So we waited a long time to get that thing built. And in the interim, my chicks got fairly big in that big rabbit cage in the laundry room. Y'all hold on. All of this will matter to you at some juncture. You have to remember Southern people talk like this and you have to wait. So, one day, I noticed that there was a little black chicken, the only one I had, honestly, because the other two turned out to be ruse. I got three little black ones. I remember reaching down into that little kennel this beautiful lady had and picking up two because I only wanted two of each color. And then as I turned away to walk and go back to my car and get my pocketbook and pay for them, I heard a little tiny chicken cheep at me. Y'all, I'm tearing up thinking about it. We'll get around to why. But I turned around and there was this little chicken. I mean, this little son of a bitch, it must have only been maybe a week old. And it was looking straight up from all these other multitudes of baby frizzles and baby silkies and baby Polish hens. And she was just a chirping look at me right in the eye. And she was the last black one. And so I looked at the lady and I said, oh, what the hell? Eight more dollars, I'll take her. They're expensive, these little chicks. Well, I didn't know it was a her. I think I called it a him, but this one had a tiny little white spot on her beak. She wasn't as pretty, and she wasn't as fluffy as the other ones. And you know what? She never has got pretty in the face, y'all. My girl, she's so pretty in her soul, she knocks me out. I think she's the prettiest one, but I do know the difference between aesthetically pretty and soul pretty. And she's soul pretty. And that's the kind of person I prefer anyway so i took her own home and that was the one that turned out to be the only girl i had to rehome the other two now we kept that little demon brother of hers for a long time but he kept flogging me and biting me and i was like no half of the joy of my life is coming out here to take care of these hens and he wouldn't let me pick anybody up and he was just a jerk really he was a great root to them just a bastard to me and to be truthful, we had the shark cage 
So we really didn't need him out there to protect anybody. And you can't breed frizzles to frizzles or you get a frazzle and they don't live. So I got rid of him. She ended up being the only one. Now, I told you we talk around in circles, and I'm not going to edit this out later. I'm just going to keep talking in these circles. Anywho, this little black chicken was running back and forth in front of this cage, in front of that door. And she was screaming. And I thought, what in the hell? I watched a little bit, and all the others were popping her on the head. I think she must have said a word they didn't like or didn't understand. So I reached down and I grabbed her because it was so scary. And I thought, well, maybe they're attacking her because she's running back in front of that door looking at me. And I held her for a little bit and let everybody calm down and snuck her back in there. And it happened again. And this time there was blood. So I didn't have another place to put her. So I just plopped her on top of the cage. I put a little water up there over in the corner and a little food. And what was funny about all this is the rest of the cage was open. So anytime my baby needed to poop, she just shat right on their heads. And that right there is karma or revenge. I enjoyed it. I think she did too. But she lived on top of that cage for another shit, I guess, two weeks while this got finished and she didn't get down hardly ever the only time she would ever get down and she was just a little sprite of a thing not fully developed on her wings but if I would get up in the morning and come get my coffee and when I would get up to go get my coffee I would clear my throat or hum a little song and all of a sudden I would hear clucking and I'd look over And the door that separates my kitchen and goes to my laundry room used to be an exterior French door and has all these window panes in it. The whole damn thing made of window panes. And there would be this tiny little black chicken. I mean, just a few inches tall, staring at me from that bottom window. And I'd have to go get her and I'd put her on my shoulder And I finished making my coffee or make breakfast. Sometimes I would sweep with her on my shoulder. She would even go to sleep. And she is a great balancer, as most chickens are. You know, people used to ask me back then, because I would put those photos up on my government page. And they would ask me, doesn't she shit everywhere? Doesn't she just poop all over you? And I said, you know what? Knock on wood, this chicken has never done it. Not even one time. And her sitting on my shoulder became quite a thing. Finally, everybody got too big to be in that cage. And so we have an outside cat habitat that's snuggled up against the porch. It has a little hobbit door, too. You can go through that hobbit door from the porch and get into this cat habitat. And the cat habitat's made all of hardware mesh and has a roof. And it has a condominium kind of space where we have a heat lamp in there that's completely protected by steel. And it has a tree growing in the middle of it. It was 100% coyote safe, snake safe, all the things safe. And here it was getting on into the summer months. And so the big steel coop wasn't built yet. And 
I moved everybody out there to that. And my rocking chair's right next to that hobbit door. And of course, they still didn't want anything to do with her. I moved her in there with them. They didn't want anything to do with her. Every night, she'd pop up to that hobbit door. And she would whine right before it got dark, about an hour before. Well, chickens don't whine, but she seemed fairly sad about how she was calling on. And I'd open that door and she'd pop up there and jump on my shoulder. And then she'd go to sleep there. And after she was fully asleep, I'd take her little ass out there and put her in her little bed all by herself, built just for her. And then the big cage got built, and then we moved them all out there. And I put one special bed up in a window just for her. And every night she would go on and run back and forth in front of that door so that I would pick her back up and put her to bed. I had to tuck a chicken in every night for months until I reckon she got too big for it. Well, life rocked on the way it does, and then one day, Harriet wasn't the bottom one on the totem pole any longer. I noticed she was getting on fairly well with a rooster, and her sisters were being nicer to her. I think she ended up being about second or third man on the totem pole, and that's really good. Ooh, y'all, it's almost stopped raining quality of this podcast is going to get better, I reckon. Now, I did cry about this quite a bit, and I know this seems silly that I cried about it so much. Harriet, finally part of chicken dumb and no longer jumping on my shoulder. But what I haven't told you, I've just told you what she did. I've just given you the facts. What I haven't told you are all the things I learned from Harriet. First of all, I don't reckon one chicken out of that many should be bright enough to run back and forth in front of a door for only one human being. She didn't do it with the others. Anybody else went back there, she didn't run back and forth. Only for me. And all the other chickens, when I picked them up, they died like they were about to die. Their eyes would get all crazy and they'd scream the whole time and then freeze like I was a hawk. Not Harriet. I could pick her up any old time I wanted to. She would just instantly look at me and then close her eyes and nestle in and fall asleep wherever she was. And I know she recognizes my voice. Still to this day, all the other chickens will run and I'll just say chick chick and she'll come running to me, not the other direction. And I'm just as nice to all the others as I am to this one. It's impossible to get across on an airwave what happened between Harriet and myself. Absolutely impossible. All the other animals would act a little too interested in the chickens, if you know what I mean. Kind of scary like that. But not with Harriet. We could have cats all over the front porch, dogs all over, and there's Harriet. She was, she is different. You know, I told y'all about that Cambridge story where if you take a chicken out of its habitat, meaning with other chickens, get it away from groupthink and all that, they're capable of all these, well, what look like emotions that they're not exhibiting when they're all together. One day, Harriet was waiting for me to go put her up for the night 
She never get down to morning. She just wanted me to put her to sleep. She had a way up there. She had a ladder. She just call and call for me. And the call she used for me was different than with anybody else. And I was right in the middle of eating dinner. Y'all gonna love this because I get to share with you what a damn fool I am. And I had a piece of chicken in my hand when I heard her calling and I forgot to take it out of my hand. I just ran on out there to put her up in her nut-nut box. And she literally jumped away from me. Now, I know that chickens can be very cannibalistic. Well, depending on the situation. They don't just, you know, run at each other. But if someone's sick or if they see blood. So this was not a normal reaction out of a chicken. A normal reaction would be to try to bite it, to try to eat it any food, honestly. But she jumped out of my hands and ran back and fluffed out her feathers and screamed at me. And nothing I could do could get her to come back to me. And then I looked down in my hand and I still had that piece of chicken in there. It was fried chicken, if I remember correctly. And you know those weird moments where everything comes together and you finally get it? It wasn't just that I was holding fried chicken. I don't care what any of y'all say. It's that Harriet had a soul. There's a soul in there. And I hadn't gotten that yet. Not completely. Well, I threw that damn thing out into the woods and washed my hands and came back out and she was fine with me. She did kind of give me side eye for a couple of days. And while this is kind of funny, I reckon it is kind of funny... It's changed a lot of things about the way I think about animals. And it is a very inconvenient truth. I think that we need to, you know what, I'm not going to say we, because this is a personal thing. I think that I need to accept in my heart if I'm going to take a heartbeat and not do it so damn mindlessly. I'm not necessarily advocating for vegetarianism. I guess I'm advocating for an awake, more pagan, more noble engagement in where my food comes from. Y'all know the number of heartbeats that we regularly consume in a year is in the hundreds and sometimes in the thousands. And I think if we look at it as heartbeats, we can continue to eat meat. But I think that for me, that kindly means that I need to take responsibility, ownership of the heartbeat I'm taking out of the world. I can't really do that if I'm eating, I guess, hamburger meat that's made up of 300 cows. I don't like my place in that wheel. It doesn't feel right. I found a hog farm, and that's really hard for me. That may be the first thing that actually goes. And I've also found a cattle farm. And I think that to be the witch that I want to be, which means to me being awake and aware and affecting positive change, and being connected to the wheel in all kinds of ways to be part of the land 
that I have to accept the responsibility of the death in a more direct fashion. Now that will mean calling up my local cattle farm and saying, yep, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pay for this one death. I'm going to pay for it. I want all parts of that animal and given that animal the kind of honor it deserves for its life here on the planet. Now, I realize I sound like a damn hippie, but this is something that has weighed upon my heart. Y'all hear where I'm coming from? I want to be more directly responsible for the death, not complicit in it. Because one way just feels like chicken shit to me. And the other way, yes, it's harder because it's more direct. But if I can stomach that, I reckon I can eat the food. Y'all know if I'm taking the life of a 100-year oak tree, I feel like that's in the same ballpark as taking the life of a 5-year-old cow. A heartbeat and a life. Well, I reckon trees don't have heartbeats, but they have a life. I have to be able to accept the cost I'm asking this thing, this tree, this cow, this chicken, whatever it may be. I have to be able to accept the responsibility that it is for me and for my family that I am taking this life. And it slows me down. It makes me think, do I really need that? All the conditioning I've been through in my life screams against this kind of thinking it's just too much hush up old gal have your fried chicken you see that's just not witchifying every damn thing is it that's purposely ignoring that this was alive that's purposefully ignoring that it had a personality or soul that it felt joy or pain and that it doesn't feel these things anymore nor can it grow any further or reproduce because I've decided to consume it. It's a real mindful place to be. But when we think about it, I remember, gosh, back in the 90s, hearing about this um, program or step kind of situation where folks were trying to get out of debt. And one of the secret things they would do is take their credit card and freeze it in a block of ice. Because you can't microwave that real fast. You have to let it thaw real slow. And by the time it was thawed out, you had made your decision on whether or not you really needed that thing. It became more mindful. I don't know if y'all have ever heard about this, but I've known a lot of folks who've frozen their credit cards. And I've known a lot of folks who've ruined them putting them in a microwave. I've also heard of folks cashing their check instead of just throwing it in the bank and using a debit card because it's too easy. You just swipe and you go. But when you have cash, you look at it, you feel more of the weight of how you earn that, and it's a little bit harder to spend. I guess what I'm talking about is taking that mindfulness to something way more sacred and way more important. Why should money be more important than this? You know, when I grow my food, I grieve so much when my tomato plants die. I mean, I've nursed them from seed. I actually feel that life passing away. 
And then, of course, we put it into a burning man, a garden effigy, to give back unto the plants, their ancestors, in the next season. I don't know how we all got like this. I really don't. I mean, for us to just be completely fractured away from the process of our own food, I I don't know how we got like that. It can't be healthy for the body, and it certainly isn't healthy for the soul or the planet. And I'm not advocating that folks out there should have to sit down and squall every time they eat a piece of fried chicken. But I am suggesting that we should at least understand where that comes from just a little bit deeper, especially if we're witches. Which brings me around to the last discussion I want to have today, and that is on the nature of witches. I have seen too many times, especially where I live down here in the deep south, folks demonize us witches. And, you know... We could ditch the term if we wanted to. If we ditch the term, we'd probably get better acceptance. Just call ourselves hippies or healers or some such, but I don't like ditching something like that. I like owning it. I like fighting for it. Now, while I know there are religions out there that do worship Satan, I want y'all to know right now, that is not me. And the reason is because I would have to buy into the whole legend of Christianity to buy into Satan. Ain't happening, y'all. I do not believe in that kind of shit. I don't have nipples on my thighs. I have no hidden horns. I'm just not that kind of witch. But the truth is, even though I know that they may be out there, and maybe I've met one, most of us aren't like that at all. The nature of witches, to me, is everything in a southern grandma, now also in northern and western ones and in other countries, but I'm talking about from my experience, that believes that plants can heal you, that knows that animals try to speak to you, that gets that trees have something like a soul, but it's so old and so much more ancient than our little brains can comprehend, I don't know that we'll ever get very close. That understands that we are part of this indelibly sacred wheel, and that when we are divorced away from that, we can become extraordinarily sick, not just as individuals, but as a culture, as a people. I believe witches are the last frontier and in a lot of ways, our last true hope. No offense, but preachers have let a lot of folks down. You feel me? A witch that is doing what a witch does cares very much about her neighbors, cares very much about the water sources, the environment, even politics. Because we're part of it. We're in. We see ourselves as being able to affect these things. Our butterfly effect is fairly strong, y'all. And we have to be responsible for that. So I see us as awake in a way that other folks aren't. More in tune. But because of civilization... And the way we've moved on, I think a lot of us, us witches ourselves, 
have become numb too much to what we really need to be. Now for me, this old witch, the deeper I get into making every part of my life magical, the more I understand my responsibilities. They're heavy, they're weighted, and I get where a lot of folks wouldn't want to take all that on. I didn't. I was young. It was a lot of work. I wanted to practice witchcraft when someone hurt me or when I wanted someone to pay attention to me and fall in love with me or when I needed money. These were the things that drew me to witchcraft when I was young and that was exactly what I wanted to do with it because everything else had too much damn responsibility. The weight was heavy. But I've got this sneaking suspicion, y'all, that when we refuse the weight, that something else has to carry it. I mean, it might be levied back on us when we try to leave this plane, and that's kind of scary too, ain't it now? But something's got to carry it. If we are just shirking all responsibility for being a witch, for being in tune, for being connected, for caring for the animals and the earth, and the energies that are out there, and navigating all these waters, well then, what is taken that way? Other old witches? I don't know. It could be something even worse than that. So I didn't want to go into my old age without taking that on. Y'all, as I am talking, the rain suddenly stopped, and sun is just coming through this window so bright. If I didn't know any better, I would think it was spring out there. But that's the gist of it, I reckon, y'all. I had a chicken teach me all kinds of things. And sometimes I have to just wonder. Maybe it's a Christian sensibility, or maybe it's just a Western one, but... It occurs to me over and over that us witches are way too often looking at how everything can heal us. The herbs, the trees, the ocean, crystals, all kinds of neat things. And spend too little time thinking about how we can heal everything else. Our fracture with animals, our connection to all that green goddess energy that's always there. If we're just asking, heal me and give me, why? We're about as bad as that little boy in the giving tree, aren't we? And I always wanted to whoop his ass. I reckon that's enough. I'm still healing. I'm still working on self-care. And I sure do not want to push it too far. I wanted to give a shout out to a new listener who wrote to me and shared her story. Her name is Edna May. Every time I get one of these, it just tickles me to death. Thank you for giving part of yourself to me. I feel like I'm not as alone on this side of the microphone. And it's always a lot of fun for me to get a letter from a Texan, honey. I consider it the South half the time, just as well. I've got a hell of a lot of cleanup to do around here. i got to take down this tree and pack up the season. I reckon I've got a seed catalog I've got to look through. Getting ready for next year. Although I do save most of my own seeds. It sure is fun to go get something new from time to time. And I've noticed we have two whole t-shirt sales for that pre-order. Now, y'all, if we don't get a total 20, 
I'm going to have to turn around and refund your money. But if we can get it to 20, I'm going to do that Fry the Patriarchy t-shirt for you. So run over to southernfriedwitch.com and look in the little shop and see if you like that. I put it in purple because I figured y'all like purple. I know I like it sometimes. (laughs) And if I get a shot at getting these done, I've got about three other designs I want to put out. So, y'all share those around. Let's see if we can't get that order out for ourselves. My Patreon account's coming real soon, and it may be a bit of a surprise to some of y'all. It will not be these things. In fact, it will be quite different. It will still be me, though. I hope y'all check it out. I was thinking I would go ahead and do one free one. But the cost of running this podcast, it's got to be something. I'll leave all this free, and I'll put a lot of cool stuff over there that's new. Up to y'all if y'all want to check it out or not. I will be telling stories, though, if you like stories. So hunker down. We've got a few more months to go in this cold winter. Write in your journal. Light your candles. Eat all of the food that you stored up. Call your mama if she's worth a shit. And remember, even chickens can be familiars. Blessed be y'all. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.